Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members helping facilitate worship ministry in the local church. My name's David. I'm here with Kevin. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. How about yourself? I am doing all right. Good. 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 It's all good. Glad to know that you're good. Not a whole lot has changed from last time. Because it's the same day. It's the same day. <laughs> we but, get together and record two episodes at once. But don't tell wondering. anyone. It, it's, yeah. our, it's our conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, so it's still the same Monday that uh, we were talking about last time. But it's it's still a good day, though. It is still a good day, but I do have to say that I, you know, I, have, I do a lot of the computer stuff here at church. And you asked me last time how my day was going. And I got to say, it's always hard to start off with, in a, on a good mood on a Monday yeah. when you come in and the first thing that happens is the secretary attacks you because the network's down. Oh, like, bummer. Oh. No. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't feel like solving that problem right now. <laughs> can, can we deal with it later? <laughs> can you deal without the network and internet and all that stuff for a while? Yeah, boy. That, uh, but it actually has been a much better day than I thought it was going to be because good. of that. Well, so. I, you know, I'm not nearly as tired as I once was. Uh, I'm, I'm energized. I'm pumped. I'm here in the WMC studio. WMC. Ready to record more podcasts. Hey, before we get started, uh, let's see, last, last time, last episode, shared shared a funny story about you. Uh, a couple episodes ago, you shared a funny story about me. Um, I thought, but uh, instead of a funny story this time, how about we start off? Uh, and let me ask you, what what have you been listening to music wise? What is currently on your iPod that you've been spinning around and enjoying and loving? Well, I've got a confession to make. For one, um, I listen to way more podcasts than I do music. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and how how apropos that yeah. here we are on a podcast. So, um. I listen to a lot of podcasts about leadership and worship ministry and all that stuff. Wow, you must be smart. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but actually, the music I've been listening to, I've been going back through um, U2, my U2 collection. Nice. And, any any standout albums? Um, I I kind of I was kind of liking Sunday Bloody Sunday, and uh, well, you know, when we had the first nice day last week, I had to roll down the windows and crank up a beautiful day. Yeah, rolling by the park in Longview. That's very cliche, but you know, you got to do it. <laughs> hey, that's nice. That's a requirement for a nice day. All right, every so, radio station does it. So why can't why I do can't it? we? Let me, so let me ask you. Speaking of U two, what's your favorite all time U two album? I don't really know. Because so hard, they're they're so good. They are so good. You know, I don't really like the old stuff. Joshua Tree, you don't well, like Joshua that? Tree's good, but okay. I mean like the really old old uh, stuff. Uh, like I don't know. I know if Scott was here, he'd be totally crucifying me. Yeah, right now. don't don't get Scott in on this. <laughs> uh, FYI, Scott Olson, good friend of mine, huge YouTube fan, loves him. And I'll admit that um, for a long time, I was really negative and critical about U2, and uh, especially with Scott's um, like unusual love <laughs> for U2. Like, it used to just like upset me because, you know, I mean, on the surface, U2 isn't really that great of a band. Uh, you know, like, they play really simple songs with four or five chords, 
Uh, you know, Bono has kind of a weird voice. It's um, not that great of a voice either. Yeah, it is is and you know, the the drummer is average, the bass player is really weak. Uh, you know, I mean, the Edge, he, he's a phenomenal guitarist, but that, that's really the only standout thing to me as a band. So I used to be really critical of you two, and, uh, you know, I think I actually offended Scott on a, on a couple of occasions. Um, <laughs> and Scott, if you're listening, I'm sure sorry about that. But um, You should boy. see the smile on his face, though. I don't yeah. think he's actually <laughs> no, sorry. No, no, I am. Don't <laughs> lie, David. You're filled with lies. Um, but I just want to say that I've actually come, I've actually come a long way and I'm at a place where, uh, I actually really enjoy U2 now. And I think the more I, I look at their music and study their music, um, you know, not just on musical level, but lyrical content, there's, there's a really amazing depth to some of their stuff. And plus they're just cool. So yeah, they're cool. They sound cool. So I kind of like them. I like listening to them. They're, you know, the most popular band probably of all time of all time like in the history of the world so there's got to be something there that people like and i think it's great for us as worship leaders to listen to stuff that everyone else in the world listens to and to know what they're listening to and what they like so we can try and adapt to it this this could even be a future podcast episode that's like the third future podcast episode we've come up with are you writing these down no but i'll go back and listen to them and write them down please do because we're we're actually getting some really good topics here because that's you know, I, I, I'll admit that I used to be, like, I, I hate to say the word, but I used to be a really legalistic, fundamental Christian. I would only listen to Christian-produced music that came Me off. Me too. You know, that, that came Stephen Curtis Chapman, baby. Right. You know, yeah. anything from Sparrow, anything from, uh, you know. Like every Hillsong album ever. Yes, which, you know, I, I'll admit, I do, I do still like Hillsongs. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. But um, point being... It was all Christian, and anything like even U two, which is I think a pretty acceptable you know band for a lot of Christians. Even U two stuff was totally taboo for me. You know, I'm like I'm not going to listen to it. It doesn't have. It's a the- slippery slope, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Start listening to U two, and it's all downhill from <laughs> it's there. All down- but but nine uh, inch nails, Megadeth. Wow, it's all coming right around Rod, the corner. Rod Zombie, you know, pretty <laughs> pretty soon, yeah, pretty soon you're listening to was it, uh, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a joke. He is smiling now. I am smiling. So, uh, point being that this this is actually a really good future topic on uh, what what's the role as Christian musicians, you know, because that's what we do. We we do music in the church, you know, whether you're a worship leader or a worship team member, how does mainstream music fit, you know, with being a Christian? Is there a balance? Is there too much of one side? Um, so that I think that's a really good future topic, but we're not talking about that today. Nope, we're no. not. Today, David, why don't you introduce what we're talking about? What are we talking about? Boy, we are talking about the idea of how to speak in love and in truth to uh, your worship team when they need to hear it the most. Why did you have to go and do that, man? You totally stole my thunder. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I was being an example of, you know, like something you might have to confront oh, later on. Okay, but you know, I don't think that you did that in love. I don't feel... You don't feel loved? <laughs> I don't feel loved <laughs> right now. You can't feel the love? No. So so that's that's the idea because let's be honest. Um, I think, I know I've experienced it. I know you've experienced it and I sure... I sure bet that a lot of others have experienced that moment when you have to tell someone in in the kindest possible way that I just don't think you're meant to be a singer. 
on the worship team. <laughs> that is difficult. Oh, I hate and that. Awkward of all awkward situations to be in. Oh, I, I uh, let me share a quick story. I was in high school, and I was uh, I, I I was leading the uh, the music ministry and the worship program for our high school group. I, I went to a large church in high school, so you know we we had. Uh, a, a lot of musicians and a lot of aspiring musicians, and there is this one, this one kid. Uh, he was in tenth grade. I was a senior. He was in tenth grade, sophomore. Bless his heart, little Dougie. Man, his, his name was Doug, but everyone called him Dougie. He wanted with all his heart to be a singer, and you know what? He had every every uh, aspiration you know, to, to be that great singer. But more importantly, he just wanted to worship God. And I thought it was beautiful and I loved it, but gosh, he could not sing. He was just horrible. Like, like his voice had gone through this weird kind of uh, metamorphosis because, you know, he was hitting puberty and stuff. And, and, and he couldn't like, he literally could not sing a, a, a sustainable note. He, he didn't know how to match pitches you know, let alone harmonies or any. I mean, don't even you know, don't even try don't to get go there. Yeah, don't even try to get him to sing a tenor line. <laughs> he couldn't even sing the melody. You know, I I, I would I, I would sit there and play a song, and I would actually play the melody. You know, on the piano, and and have him try to sing along. And he's he's like a a, a minor six off of the whole thing. Just it was just really sad and <laughs> and really bad. And you know, at first I tried to say, well, you know. Well, why why don't you give us some time and maybe you know get involved in choir at high school and and, and we'll we'll try again in a few months. You know, I tried to I tried to just like uh, delay the inevitable. <laughs> and he just kept, he kept coming back. He kept coming back. Kevin, okay, I've been working real hard and I really think that I really think I got it now. I really think I can sing. So we we would do the whole thing again. Oh, Dougie. You just can't sing. Yeah. Well, sometimes that does work, though. So I've had a couple people who've come up and they've wanted to sing and and they they sing for me and they're not quite ready. And and I say, you know what? Go get some voice lessons for six months and then come back and try again. And it's worked? And they've worked. Wow. And, and sometimes, that, to my total surprise. <laughs> You're like, I didn't think you had a prayer. <laughs> I didn't think there was a chance that kind of sound was coming out of you. Wow. But, um, yeah, so... So what? How do we go about broaching the "you're not good enough"? Ugh. What do you do there? Is is hard, you know. And when I, the example I was giving, I finally had to be very, very frank and very honest. And this kind of fits a little what we were talking about in our last episode. Last episode, we were dealing with uh, criticism in, within the church body. You know, people coming up to you after the service saying that. Maybe they didn't. They didn't like, uh, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But I, the, this this idea is very, I think, along those lines because there's that point, and we talked about it last episode. There's that point where you gotta just be honest, and you gotta be frank, and you gotta be upfront and say, you know what, I I I don't think this is right for you. Just just like last episode, you at the end were saying, hey, I don't think this might be a good church for you. Um, so that's what I eventually had to do with with Dougie. I had to say, Doug, I love your heart, man. You got a passion, but I, I don't think that this is where God, where where God wants you, and I don't think that this is where your spiritual gift is. Yeah, um, at my last church, this is kind of the kind of a flip side. Um, 
what might have been possible, and maybe you know, you were in high school, so you know, didn't right. necessarily have the experience to to go to think this far. But at my last church, and I'm not dissing your experience, no, by no. the way, <laughs> I wouldn't have done this in high school either. Um, but um, at my last church, we had a guy who who couldn't, who didn't have the best voice. I mean, he was, he definitely wasn't, you know, like your, your premier male vocalist, but when he got up on stage for worship, he was the most demonstrative of all worship team members. Like, like in a bad way? No, in a great way. Oh, in a good way. Like raising his hands, completely authentic facial expressions, expressing exactly what the song was what meant to him, and I mean, like, like can, he inspired and encouraged others to worship by his example. Yeah, and so, so what I did is I talked to the sound guys. I said, you know, he doesn't have the greatest voice, so when he sings, just pull him back in the mix a little bit, where you can, you might still be able to hear him, but he's not going to be out there far enough where he's going to be distracting ah. from worship. But he's such a great worship leader, and and that that's a beautiful point because I think there are some people who you know. Like the gentleman you're saying, or, or my example of Doug, who just they are so in love with Jesus Christ that it exudes from every pore of their body, but they, you know, maybe they just can't sing. Um, so you know, a, a little technique like that, maybe just bringing them down a little in the house. Well, but it's and also, you know, it's got to be the right situation. I wouldn't have done that in the contemporary service that we had. Okay. That was in the blended service, and that was a much more, as far as the, the quality of music that was coming off the stage, they were way more forgiving than, than a <laughs> contemporary crowd would be, or at least in my opinion. Right. And so so that might not be the right situation to put them in in a contemporary church, but there may be a place in the church where where this person if you're having a, if you have a person like this they could go and lead worship or be a be someone who helps lead worship and they may not have the best voice but they can be a worship leader by their actions when they're up in front of people leading worship so it's got to be in the right situation yeah you wouldn't want to do it in your main service if they have a horrible voice cuz churches get knocked for that all the time but people <laughs> on stage you can't sing yeah. so but, so the so that's one scenario you know speaking the truth in love and I think the important thing to realize here, uh, as leaders, it's our responsibility. Um, and I don't want to sound too cliche about this, but it is. It's our responsibility to shepherd and, and to, to mentor and to guide. And redirect. And redirect if necessary. Yeah, they may not be able to sing, but they, they can offer something. They have a spiritual gift that will that they can do somewhere else in the church. Our, our job might be to redirect them to a better fit as far as the ministry. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, a lot of times these people, uh, they're so convinced that, no, this is what I was born to do, you know? And when you have that very upfront, frank conversation and you say, you know what, I, I don't think this is it because you're, you're, not, you're not that great of a I – mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you say it nicely. Maybe you don't say you're not that great of a singer. Yeah, I was reading an article about this a while ago, and it was talking about exactly the, how this guy does it. And he says he'll, he'll give them a shot, and then if, it, if they aren't up to snuff the first time, he'll tell them to go get voice lessons or go get guitar lessons yeah. and then come back. If they aren't up, up to – you know, still if they haven't made any improvement, if they're still just as bad as they were the first time around, at that point he says, okay, well – uh, you're not going to be 
quite what we're looking for for worship ministry. But here, sit down with me. We're going to go through this kind of a profile test, or you know, spiritual gifts profile, and we're going to help you find what, the ministry yeah, that's right for you. What might be a good thing. Yeah. And I think what's important there, uh, and you said that really well, David. What's important is the idea of not leading them on. You know, and and I know I've I've fallen uh, victim to that before, where. Where I, I I don't I don't want to do the hard job of telling them no you're bad don't don't do this don't try to sing, um and so you know I kind of lead them on oh well you know that that that's okay you know well yeah that was that was all right you should you know maybe try in a couple months and um I, and I think what you said you did it really well uh kind of having a, a step or or a process that you go through and then that ultimate step of saying you know this isn't working out. Um, it is it's might be it might be a better place for you to be here or there. How about we sit down, we take a spiritual gifts inventory, we find out what your passions are, what your giftings are, and where we could use you in this body of Christ. Yeah, and um, I think if you have your process and you make it public, that's going to help you even more. So if if you have a process laid out, well, they come, they're not up to snuff. I'm going to tell them to do take six months of lessons. If they come back and they've showed improvement, they're not quite ready yet. I'm going to say take six months more of lessons. And then if they're, if they're showing great improvement, then maybe it's time to start working them into practices Mm. and something like that. But if after the first six months, they haven't shown improvement or after the second six months they're they haven't shown improvement, they're not going to be what we're looking for. Then, then it's going to be time to take a spiritual gift gifts test and redirect them. If you have this process all worked out and it's all, all public, you're the, the staff at the church know about it. The other people in the worship ministry, you know about it. That's going to take some of the pressure off because the people are going to come expecting at at some point to get a yes or a no. Right. If they're always thinking, um, this is this is going to be the yes, this is going to be the yes, this is going to be the yes. At some point, he's going to say yes and let me up on that stage. Then then they're going to keep coming back and trying to be positive and work their way in. If they know that there's a possibility of a no, that's going to take some of the pressure off of you. And saying no at some point. Well, and I think it also helps to have, you know, it makes it more accountable. That that way, that way, you're not just, you know, making things up. You can say, well, no, this is actually kind of our our guidelines. This is our policy. And if it ever came down to it, and someone got super offended or super hurt, and they're, you know, I'm going to leave the church, and I'm going to tell everyone how horrible you are. You know, you, you could walk them through that and say, well, no, I mean, th- this is what we do for everyone. You're not unique. Well, and, and also I think having a team of people yeah. to help you through this process. So it's not just you that's so saying no. What do you mean by team? Like who else? So let's say uh, you've got a couple of other, you know, really great musicians in your worship team. You really trust them or, you know, a two or three at the most four people that starts to get intimidating, I think, after much more than four but at least, you know, three total people and you, you sit through an audition or something and you listen to them and then you can talk about it. And then when, you know, when you give the yes or no, it's coming from a team of people, not just you, then that lessens the risk of, oh, well, they just didn't like me. Hmm. So, so, so bringing other people in for more of a buy-in, more of a... Yeah. So, and we can talk about this later, but uh, those are a few ideas about how to speak the truth and love to somebody who's wanting to participate in the, in the worship ministry who shouldn't. But what about the people who are already in the worship ministry? Oh. How do you speak the truth in love to them? Like if they're, if they're not good enough? If or? they're not good enough or if there's some other kind of problem. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say that you notice one of, your, one of your key worship people is starting to get a really bad attitude. Or consistently showing up late. 
That yeah. Kind, yeah, I've, I've had that. What do you do? Wow. You <laughs> kick them off the team and say, never darken the doors again. You are on five years probation. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> friend. You are um, shunned for seven years. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's um, that, so, it's such an interesting dynamic because... At least for me, these these people are already you know part of the family. They're part of the team. Uh, I, I guess I guess the way I look at this is that for for a team to function, you got to have healthy uh, members. You got to have people who are who are actively um, participating and willing to do what it takes. Uh, you know, another another cliche, but you're only as good as your weakest link. Um, and I think that's true for the church as well. And it's it's not just true in terms of ability. It's true in terms of attitude. It's true in terms of uh, promptness. It's true in terms of lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, One bad apple spoils them all. Yeah. Right. Let's throw some more cliches yeah, out there. How how many more adages and colloquialisms can we come <laughs> up with uh, in this episode? I hope you're taking count. But uh, and this is this is something I we worked on at my last church. We're going to start working on it this summer here. Um, we started putting some of this stuff in writing. So so you know attitude. You know we we made a, a little handbook, a worship ministries handbook, and it said you know have a good attitude. It was a lot more eloquent than this. Okay, but good. I'm just I'm just summarizing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Be on time. Yeah. You know, some of these things, practice your songs before the actual practice. What you a know, concept. This, you know, you know, a whole bunch of these little little details. It was in writing so we could have something to hold people accountable to. If you don't have something in writing or you haven't at least expressed your expectations to people at some point along the line, then you don't really have any ground to stand on when you're trying to hold them to some sort of standard. So if you've never asked your people to be on time How they and know? they're late all the time, why would they do any different if you haven't asked them to be on time? Yeah. They're just probably assuming, well, he's just kind of a laid back guy. So if I'm five, 10, 15 minutes late, it's not yeah, that big of a big deal. deal. Right. But you might be stewing inside every time they show up later and later and later, you're getting more and more angry and you need to say something, but maybe you don't have the way. So maybe you need to approach it or we need to approach it from having a, a little bit more standardized uh, stuff going on. So anyway, that's one thought. Well, one thing that one thing that we did uh, at my church, um, and it worked really well. And I actually probably need to need to update this or renew this. But, um, uh, gosh, <laughs> I gotta be careful how I say this. It 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 isn't. Um, uh, it's kind of like a contract, but it's not because that's so like like legalistic and so kind of binding, you know, agreement or commitment. Yeah, there you go. That's a better word. I I was, I was searching for the right word. (laughs) Um, but what we did when I first, when I first joined, uh, when I first came on board at my church, Laurelwood Baptist church, uh, as the new worship director, I kind of, I kind of gave these, these, uh, guidelines and what, what I did, I did it in this way where I said, Hey, here, here is my commitment to you. And here's what I expect your commitment to me to be. And, you know, I signed each one, and I asked them to sign it too. And, it, you know, it wasn't like I, I don't want to weird people out, you know, like it's this legally binding contract that, you know, under pain or penalty or perjury, you know, of death, like you're going to, if you break it, you're going to, you know, be excommunicated. It's not, it's not that at all. But what it was 
it was really neat, and I think it really opened the eyes for my worship team members because I was able to say, you know what? As a worship leader and as a worship pastor, I'm committed to praying for you every single week. I'm committed to having my my music ready so that I can lead you in the most effective way. I'm committed to being um, on time or actually early for every single one of my practices. And, and there was like 18 or 19 different things that I was committed to doing for them. And then on the other half of the page, on the other side, I said, here is what I'm asking you to be committed to. I'm asking you to commit to uh, you know, checking your email because we, we communicate everything through email mm-hmm. on our worship team. Checking your email, I'm, I'm asking you to commit to uh, on the weeks that you serve to pray every single day for the worship service. I'm asking you to, you know, and on and on it went. And it was really cool because it, it gave some personal buy-in. It's like, oh, wow, Kevin, Kevin's doing all this stuff for me, you know, and I can do some of this stuff too. And now it becomes it becomes a team thing. It becomes a corporate thing. It becomes a, a, a building thing. Well, and by doing that, you now then have the ability to say, oh, remember how you signed this and we both agreed that we were going to do this? Um, what's what's going on here lately? Because you're not you're not you're not meeting up. You know you're not living up to your end of the of right. the deal. I've been trying to do my best to live up to my end, but but there's a little bit of a shortfall here. Is there something going on exactly. in your life that that's that I need to know about? And and we always want to approach it on terms of of the person and what's going on with them, not just just what we're what we're wanting to get out of them. You know, we want to care about the person first before we care about what right. they're what they're doing for our ministry. Right. But uh we actually wrote some of that stuff into our handbook. So so we would say if um if you're having a consistently bad attitude and it gets noticed by the by the leadership, then you may get pulled aside and and be asked what's going on, and then uh, maybe they don't even notice it. And I know that's happened sometimes. People don't even notice that their attitude is kind of slowly turning sour, and yeah. so it's just drawing your attention to it fixes the whole problem. Yep. But if and you know, so you draw attention to it. If it doesn't fix the problem, then maybe after you need to revisit it after a couple of months and say, you know, we talked about this a while ago. And nothing's really improved. I think maybe it's time to take it like a six month sabbatical, so that you can maybe get back in the right place to be to be serving with the right attitude on the worship team. And what's nice about that is is, is by doing that, um, it it frees you up almost to to really truly speak the truth in love. You know, because when there are conflicts on your worship team. When there are these like weird, you know, even critical things, you know, last episode we were talking about critical people in your church. When when this stuff happens within your your team, your family, so to speak, having these these um, documents or having these things available, I think it frees you to to be honest with them. And and that and that for me, I'll admit that that's my hardest part, you know. And I was sharing just uh, just a little earlier how. How it's hard for me. I I want to I want to put it off or delay the inevitable, or, or I want to kind of dance around the truth, beat around the bush, and um, you know, it's it's hard for me to just boom. Let let's be honest. Let's be upfront. Let's be frank. I, I don't want to always do that. These kind of documents, these kind of things, gives you that freedom, gives you that permission. Like you were saying, David, you go back, you reference it, you say, hey, th- this is an agreement we had. This is something we've talked about. What's been going on in your life? What you know what's happening that maybe I can come up alongside you, be a shepherd for you, and uh, be an advocate for you. And if you've never had anything written before, 
there is a possibility that just coming up with something written will create conflict. Ooh. <laughs> so, so be aware of that. But it's, I think it's worth the initial conflict for the pain it will save you down the road. Yeah. Because it's just, it's one time you get over a few people who are upset about trying to hold them to some kind of term, you know, terms and agreement or something like that. But you get over that and then you've got it forever. Yeah. And you can hold people to it and, and the, they sign it and they agree to do their best and you've got accountability there that well, you didn't and, have and, before. And that's it. Exactly. Accountability. That's um and that's the reason why at you know, at our church at Laurelwood and I'm sure at a lot of other churches, why, you know, they they now have policies for, for child care workers and Sunday school teachers, policies on um on, you know, child abuse and doing background checks. You know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that that was unheard of to do a background check on a Sunday school teacher. Unfortunately, it's it's becoming a normal part of uh, of what you need to do. And the reason is not to, you know, not to insult someone or make someone feel like weird. The reason you do it is for that accountability. Yeah, that to protect your kids, you know, the church has to be accountable there for legal issues, especially. Yep. And that's but, what we're doing and, with our worship team. We're yeah, trying to protect our team members. We're trying to protect the team members. We're trying to yes. protect the people who are coming on the weekend and their worship experience yes. so that it can be everything it can be. And we're trying to ultimately protect our worship to God so that our attitude isn't hindering offering a sacrifice of praise. Yeah, I so, agree. So that's, that's one thing. Is there anything else you want to talk about about... Uh, Speaking the truth in love with your worship team. Oh, uh, you know, I, I know I've run into this in my ministry where you have, uh, um, and, and this goes a little bit what we were talking last episode, but I've had it happen where, you know, um, even like right in the middle of practice, I've had um, a singer or a musician uh, kind of question uh, what we're doing, almost almost like in a condescending way, you know, like questioning my authority, or you know, well, should we really be doing this song? What's the point of this? You know, I I don't I don't want to go back to I, I don't want to repeat the chorus on this song. You know that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't happen very often, and, and thankfully, I've only had to deal with it I think twice in um in the two years I've been at Laurelwood. Uh, but that that's kind of a really interesting because it's on the spot and it's in front of your entire team, and uh, there's that there's that dynamic of. Okay, how do I balance being, you know, a good pastor and shepherd and and listening to this person's ideas, but also how do I, you know, maintain that level of, you know, uh, of authority, you know, for lack of better words, um, but, and and keep the practice going, you know, keep things moving along. Yeah, and you you have to be able to deal with that and uh you need to be able to deal with it quickly. Yeah, and uh, in a very unawkward way because it's going to be a very awkward situation anyway when they <laughs> say that. But but at the same time, that's also an issue. You need to come to that back to that person behind closed doors. Yes, and that's what I ended up doing after and, church was over. And that's something that I, that we haven't said yet. But all conflict needs to start being handled behind closed doors. You never want to handle. Uh, con- confronting somebody in front of other people, and that's such a good thing to remember. I think by nature, we as people, we get defensive. We we you know we want to be right. We want uh, we want to defend our art. We want to defend our our craft, whatever. And there's that natural tendency to 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 just you know come out there and say, "No, you're wrong. I'm right in the story. Let's move on." Um, in front of everyone, that's not the place to do it. Yeah, I'll give you one story, and then we're about out of time here. Okay. But um, 
the senior pastor at a church I was at a long time ago, and he has since died and gone on to be with Jesus. Wow! But um, he he confronted me one time. He was he was old. He was starting to lose his memory. I think he had some Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's oh. issues going on there. So he leaves for the weekend, and uh, right before he left, we had the problem of our piano player leaving for the weekend at the at the same time. And I wasn't at that church allowed to lead worship from the piano. You weren't? I wasn't. It wow. was against the rules. What, why? Um, he <laughs> liked the piano weird. player. He, I don't know. He like, wanted like the he, song leader up front. It actually, was really old school. He actually said, you cannot. Yeah, he told me I can't. Wow. Okay, so this weekend that he's going to be out of town, the piano player is going to be out of town. We didn't have a backup piano player. I was the backup piano player. So I said, well, what do we do? And and he said, well, I guess you're going to have to lead worship from the piano. <laughs> so I do, and he comes back on Sunday night after the Sunday morning that I had led worship from the piano. Someone had told him that I had led worship from the piano. And I'm getting ready for the Sunday evening service, and he comes in in front of everybody who was there five minutes before the service oh. and yells at me for leading worship from the piano Sunday morning. No. And so I stopped him in the middle of his rant and pulled him into the office, and I said, with all due respect, never, ever do that again. Yell at me in front of wow. anyone again. And he and he admitted, yeah, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And that actually became a bigger issue because he still didn't remember telling me that it was okay. <laughs> no, but, so, but that's exactly it. And and lessons learned, you know. I, I can't tell you how how uh, humiliated I oh, felt yeah. by being yelled at in front of the people. Even though I wasn't in the wrong, I still was humiliated because he was yelling at me in front of everyone. And I felt like the dog with the tail tucked between his oh. legs. And, and if you've ever been on the receiving end of that kind of a, of a tongue lashing in front of everyone you you know exactly how how humiliating it is and you know exactly why as a leader you should never ever do that to one of your team members and that's exactly why you want to speak the truth in love there it is beautiful that's all the time we have we're actually a little bit over time we want to remind you to check out our website www.worshipministrycatalyst.com check out the forum at worshipministrycatalyst.com slash forum you can get in touch with us by the contact page on the website or by emailing kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com or david at worshipministrycatalyst.com and we certainly hope you take advantage of those tools you give us your feedback comments anything that you might want to talk about on future episodes we want to hear from you. We want this to be a resource and a tool for you and your ministry. And we really want to build community. We want to build community Absolutely. with you guys, between ourselves and between other worship ministry team members out there, out in this uh, this great big worship ministry world that we live in. Yep. And uh, so the only way we can start doing that is by getting in touch with one another. So let's all take some initiative and get in touch and, uh, and start building some community. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll see you next time. Talk to you later.